0: How are you feeling? You feeling good? Uh, (laughs) Thinking Basketball Podcast. My name is Ben. Today, it is... uh, I don't know what to say about today. I really don't. I don't know what to say. Uh, About four years ago, I started making... What year is it? 2024? Five years ago. Five years ago, I started making a list of the best passers in the NBA. (laughs) I'm pretty sure we have not done a podcast on this. And also, I have planned three videos in the last five years on the top passers in the NBA. I I don't know if you know this, Cody, but five years ago, there were different players in the NBA. There were different top passers. So, the list... I used to update the list, and then I stopped updating the list. And we've been talking about stuff for a while. And we just said, hey, we, we have to do it. We have to finally discuss some of these passers. What does it mean to be a great passer? Um, what are the components? What are the different stylistic trade-offs that you're going to get from passing at the elbow to pick and roll passing to more dynamic transition, extra broken play passing? Um, what happens when you manipulate versus when you react? And then this, this squishy little part of passing, which is like the windows that you open for yourself with your scoring game and your ball handling and all this other stuff. So let's just do it. Let's just jump right in. You ready?
1: Off the top of your head, do you remember any of those guys from five years ago that is no there? longer on the list?
0: Yeah, Lonzo Ball is one of them. And oh, uh, man. Yeah, he's he's one that immediately comes to mind. Rayjean Rondo was another great mm. passer of yesteryear, a very interesting type of passer, uh, given some of his offensive limitations. So guys like that that have aged out a little bit, definitely.
1: Yeah. Okay okay that makes it, Lonzo really that hurts my soul I, I know, love watching I Lonzo know. play yeah but the question overall of like what makes a good passer it's so tough for me Ben I thought about this for a really long time because I didn't want to just be like oh look at Cody look at it the assists per game chart again like I, I don't want it to just wait, be that
0: wait what, a second is that a thing is that a thing you get criticized for
1: <laughs> I I hope not I don't know the last time I looked at the assist per game chart, but I feel like that might end up being part of it. Like, a couple of these guys just rack up a lot of assists. So, on one hand, it's like, yeah, they're passing the ball a lot because they're really good at it and they're told to. Um, But I don't know. So, I don't know if I'm being biased towards that. I'm I'm leaving some of my favorites on the side that, like, don't have a ton of the load but, like, make these beautiful passes. I don't know because you need those kinds of guys to make these beautiful game-type actions where it's just like the ball's going boom, 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 boom. Like it doesn't work if you don't have that. So I don't know. I feel bad that I might be biased towards a certain kind of player in this episode.
0: Yeah. I I don't know if I could tell you who – does Tyrese Halliburton lead the league in assists? I actually don't know. Probably? Yeah. That's not a stat. I've done so much work. If you're you're a newer listener, uh, I guess it's been a couple years since I've really done content on this stuff. I used to do a ton of work on passing specifically. It was one of the uh, areas of like film study that I really got into years ago. And then starting to think about what is the difference between an assist and creating a shot and uh, these types of extra passes that Cody's talking about. Passing windows, how often do they open? How often do you hit them? Um, You know, the difference between like, making a replacement level pass that everyone's going to make the so-called Rondo assist. You stand up at the top of the key and you hit somebody curling off a a pin down and the other players do a lot of the work and you just kind of spoon feed them versus, you know, you're in the paint, you're magic Johnson. You make a pass over your head into a window. That's so small. You didn't know it was there. Even when you rewind, Uh, how much value do those passes at Larry bird, his outlet passes. Larry used to the dude used to take the ball out of the basket and stick that one foot over the baseline so he'd, he would be in a legal inbounding position and throw it 80 feet in the air. And the cameraman wouldn't even know. The producers, the poor producers of the 1980s because they had those tight shots. They wouldn't know where to go. Where do, you, do, you follow the, do you follow the ball in the air? No, we cut to the other baseline, and it's Robert Parrish running toward us, and the ball falls into his hand like a bread basket. What's the difference in value between all those stuff? Uh, all that stuff. I th- this is a lot of work that I've done over the years, both statistically and film-wise, trying to trying to understand this.
1: For the record, uh Tyrese Halberton is leading the league and assists at twelve point six a game. That's a nice number. I mean that's a pretty high number. Uh but the the other thing too is like assists and passing and stuff like that necessarily or like kind of ends up combining with other skills like i think the rondo assist that you're talking i was about to say the rondo assist of it all but i was called out on the discourse discord for being the of it all guy uh you, so you've, try yes, and-
0: you've been doing of it all a lot <laughs> lately and, and i was gonna say there goes cody with his assist per game leaderboard as well somebody somebody might get you on that already
1: so the the rondo of it all here, but like if you don't have like that massive scoring punch, uh, I think that actually takes away from some of your passing, because a lot of these guys create openings through their passing, create openings through their speed and athleticism, their ability to break guys down. So like everything in basketball, it's all kind of interconnected. And if you're like, all right, but if they're just standing still, who's the best? That's not how basketball works, right? So we're, I'm taking in all of these other skill sets, and that's, that's just how it's going to be. You can make your own list if you disagree with it.
0: Uh, Well, I think we're going to end up doing our our classic thing where we don't actually have a top 10, um, Mm -hmm. right? But let's start. We're going to get to the best passers in a second. Uh, There are, I think, six or seven that we really want to zoom in on and focus on. A couple are we've talked about so much over the years. They're probably not that interesting or suspenseful, and a couple we will spend more time on. Uh, But right now, some guys that I want to throw out that I'm not going to have in that top list. And I want to ask you about them. I want to, I want to put them on the table and just think about some of the ways they pass and create value and stylistically. And, and the first, the first one, you might have some for me, Cody, but the first one I wanted to ask you about was in Oklahoma city. What do you think of Josh Giddy as a passer? The slob master, the slob <laughs> wizard.
1: What I think, think he that? actually, he ties in really interestingly to what I was just sort of saying, where the scoring punch isn't necessarily there, and exactly. I don't know if yep. the handle is super developed in, like, as much as some of these other guys that drive, but, like, th- he's he's called the slob wizard for a reason, like, as as much as, like, we hate maybe saying it. He hates hearing it, whatever else. But like they run this rip, sc- rip screen sort of action from the sideline. He's so good at hitting guys going to the basket. It's, it's a thing. So he's, he's good at passing, but because of these other skills, I didn't, I didn't quite have him there.
0: For those wondering what the heck Cody's talking about, slob stands for sideline out of bounds, and uh, that play they like to run, back screen. It's literally, though, Cody, what you just said a second ago. It's a player standing still passing in a vacuum without any dribbling or anything else happening and he's like really really good at that but he's also good at other passes without being a primary initiator he can pass a little bit out of pick and roll but most of his best passes are out of bounds plays outlet passes he's got some really nice hit aheads and outlet passes in transition and then dynamic kind of Drives free flowing, like maybe there's an offensive rebound and you attack a kick out and you reset. And he's hitting cutters, he's passing left handed, right handed, he's going over the shoulder, he's going behind himself. Um, behind himself that's not a way you hear basketball <laughs> talked about. He threw the pass behind himself, uh, but you know, he he will miss some passes. Uh, so let's go back to what I said about tracking passes. One of the things I look for when I evaluate a passer is I try to see how many high-quality windows open up when they have the ball. Is someone open at the rim? Is there a lob open? Are they bypassing wide-open three-point shooters because they have a layup or something better? Or are they bypassing wide-open three-point shooters because they're not comfortable throwing a skip pass or something like that? So in Giddy's case, he's someone who I think is pretty good or maybe even bordering on very good at hitting the open player most of the time. But he he will have some tunnel vision or miss him occasionally. But, man, when you watch Oklahoma City play, it goes back to what you were saying. He is a lubricant. He can take what Shea or uh, or Jalen Williams uh, – I'm so used to calling him J-Dub at this point. I, I forgot he was also – It's like, what's his real name? What's J-Dub's real name? Jalen Williams or – um, all this stuff that Mark Degnault has created with them, you get the advantage upstream. The ball hits Giddy. He's a very good extra passer. What do you do with a player like this?
1: Well, he falls into, because I had a couple of categories that fell outside of my top 10 to try and lump him into. Uh, he's in this category of like low load high passing efficiency kinds of guys Mm -hmm. right like some of these guys that just like you can't necessarily be like we're gonna run 30 pick and rolls with you each game and just have an awesome offense but like maybe some of these guys can run a couple pick and rolls or they're great to have on the side because they have a couple particular skills like their ability to you know throw an outlet pass or throw a secondary pass or things like that and a guy that comes to mind right away and i actually think it jumps jumps off the screen when i see them playing like some of the other guys are good enough passers on the team, but when he comes off the bench, uh yes. Joe, yes. Ingles, oh. Joe Ingles just slings the ball around. Like, some of the lobs he throws, he's really good at using his size in pick and roll. Like, he's not blowing by anyone, especially at this age that he has and the, his uh, injury history. But uh, I think he's just really a tremendous low-volume type of passer. The able to come off the bench, hit some threes, people try and close out on him, and he's going to throw you a no-look lob. Uh yeah, Joe Ingles is like falls into this category perfectly.
0: See, I thought you were going to say someone else off the bench. Uh, can
1: can I say yeah. that person's name?
0: Sure. Yeah.
1: Did you think I was going to say Kelly Olynyk?
0: I did, but it's a, it's okay. a good segue into another thing that touches this category, I think, which is the delay option. The big mm. man out at the top of the key, playing all the handoff games, sitting at the elbow. Now maybe these days they're outside the three point line, um, and and you know we've seen different players play this role over the years. But again, you can do that and not be sort of a high-load offensive focal point for your team. Bam Adebayo maybe is an interesting player who falls in sort of a middle space there because he does try to do a little bit more uh, in terms of scoring on offense. But like, where do you put these guys? How valuable is that passing? Can, can you be a top-five passer in the league if you didn't really have the pick-and-roll chops because you're big, And it's not the, I guess it's not 1987. So you're not, you know, hitting cutters out of the post like Arvidas Sabonis or something like how, how good would could we say the best sort of passer of that archetype is someone like Olenek seems like a very good passer to me. But again, I I did not have him making my cut when push comes to shove.
1: Well, the thing – this is probably why, like, if we were to rank this far out, I would have Joe Ingles over Kelly Olynyk because I think his passing repertoire is more expansive. Like, Kelly Olynyk does rely more on the, like, I'm going to cut middle when there's some kinds of actions, catch it, and then make a decision there. I'm going to run the delay action at the top, whereas Joe Ingles can get into that pick-and-roll game a little bit more. And, you know, it's more limited minutes. Joe Ingles isn't a big, like, minutes monster, but in his 500 minutes when he's on the court – um the Magic's offense is 11 points per 100 possessions better when he is on the court. And I'm not saying that's all because of him. I'm definitely not saying it's all because of his passing. But I do think that, like, that incredible passing ability surrounded by some of the other athletes and guys that can space the floor a little bit uh, really juices uh, against some of the weaker competition that would come off the, the opposing bench.
0: Okay, but what about a guy maybe with a little bit more offensive primacy, who pl- I I don't want to step out of bounds of the category, but like what happens when you get to like Alper Schengen hmm. or something like that? You know, he's literally not playing a lot of inverted pick and roll basketball. You would not necessarily expect him to grab a rebound and throw an outlet like Wes Unseld. Although Shengun's such a good player, I'm sure he's, he's got a couple nice outlets and things that are highlighted up on the on the internets these days. Um, the internets is there. There yeah. multiple. We should get multiple internets. It might actually it might make things better. But like, where where
1: do you put a player like that? Well, I think he's there's another category we could talk about because like, are we positive that Alperin Shangun is a better passer than you know Demonis Sabonis? Like you talked about his dad a second ago, but Sabonis falls in this category. Um, I think he's maybe just. A hair below, him, but like Bam Adebayo falls in this category. I think he's a lot better than these other guys that like grab and go kinds of passes. Like he pushes the pace a lot more than say Shangun. And you know, I think even in the past, a couple of years ago, we saw him in that delay action um, a little bit more. But who who, I think who did we see a couple years ago? Bam Adebayo. I Bam, think was yes. in okay yeah. in delay a little bit more than we're seeing him being run right now. But uh, yeah, I think those are like a collection of big men that I wouldn't call amazing passers but they are good to good to great passers that can get an offense moving off their passing ability another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDIC.
0: Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. One thing that I love to see is the difference between manipulation Mm -hmm. and reacting to the defense. So are you dictating what's happening with the defense? That's an area where just on the last three guys, I think – Schengen is a little bit better than the other players. He will actively try to trick you, throw behind the back, throw a head fake, throw a no look, Um, the use of the look away. This is something that our friend Mike Prada has talked about as we've entered a, a golden age of passing in the last seven, 10 years with the spacing and the shooting and more area on the court to better, to cut into, but also get better passing sight lines and things like that. And so now we see players jump passing we will talk about that later in the episode uh we see players using a ton of no look and look away uh I kind of agree with you I think I think Sabonis Sabonis I mean out of those three guys he might be the one who I would have to pick as the best passer it's interesting though Shengun does a lot of stuff that the others don't do in the interior
1: and I think these are the margins that like when you get down to the nitty-gritty of talking about and trying to rank the best passers, like, I don't know, do I, do I watch enough of either team to definitively tell you that Damanis Sabonis is a better passer than Elper and Shengu? Like, right, I'm not right. comfortable saying that right now. So I'm, I'm tossing them in the same category, and, you know, Rockets and Kings fans, you can yell at me and tell me that your guy's better, and I'll accept it.
0: <laughs> um, okay. I'll, I'll pass it to you. I've been asking you a lot of questions. Do you have anyone you want to bring up or another one of these categories, because I kind of walk through the same thing on my side, and there's a few other players I want to talk about before we get to the big hitters.
1: So there's two guys that don't fall in the category, so I'm going to push them to the side for a second, because I just think they're a little bit interesting. One I think is particularly interesting, given the circumstances of his team's performance. Uh, Let's put that just in the, let's put it in the parking lot to use some business speak here, Ben. Uh, There's a a class of player that's like solid volume good passer but not amazing passer like usually wing hybrid guard forward type guys and I think there's a few guys that land in this that's like Devin Booker Brandon Ingram maybe even like let's relax here I'm not be I think he's legitimately good Chris Middleton at passing like I think these guys are all like we can give the ball to them they can create a fair amount, but we don't necessarily want them to be the primary passing creator, but they certainly can do a lot of damage from that position.
0: Yeah, I don't think any of those in that archetype, when you start stacking them up to the six, seven, eight best passers in the league, um, really have the, the complete repertoire, or to your point, maybe because they have more volume, because they're on the ball more, because they run more pick and roll, they can't execute with the precision and the diversity of the best guys in that class. So I thought you were going to go to like more guards. You got Jamal Murray, you got mm-hmm. uh, De'Aaron Fox, you have Shea Gilgis-Alexander. These guys that are better than just basic passers. With the ball, in fact, at this point in their career, most of them are better than just average or you know, pretty good passers. They're, they're in a higher quartile. They're better than a lot of their peers, but it just, it just isn't
1: quite the same. In terms of overall, and
0: like when you get to the when you get to the very best,
1: I think Jamal Murray is a really interesting passer. I think he leverages his off-ball movement quite a bit to be able to get some of those passing angles. And I think actually when we have this conversation, he's probably underrated just by nature of like the guy who plays with. Who might come up a little bit later today? Uh, but I, I think Jamal Murray is really an excellent passer, and I think we see some good numbers from him even when Jokic is on the bench. So it's not like he's completely like riding off that. Whereas like Chris Middleton, you, you look at his rim assists that he gets, and when Giannis is on the bench, they like get cut in half like immediately. Like Giannis is just like a walking rim assist out there. But I still think he's a great uh, passer, and like you said, I think those guards you talked about are probably like a notch higher than like the Devin Bookers, the Brandon Ingrams, the Chris Middletons. But I think that's like its own collection.
0: Well, I think it's an interesting thing because you think of someone like Tatum who's improved his passing over the years and, um, you know, can hit that like second or third read and pick and roll. I'm coming off the screen. The defense slides a little bit. I got the ball on my right hand as I dribble. It comes off the floor and in one motion, I shoot it a fastball to the corner for the three point shooter. Um, That is good you know adding that obviously adds value and and you're able to kind of read defenses and attack them based on how they cover you but i think if you look at someone like ingram you go to another level where where brandon ingram will actively manipulate the defense on some of those reads he will give you the pick and roll every once in a while if you look through the film you'll get a luka doncic like oh two defenders are coming at me and a third defender's trying to get to my roll man as they trap me, I'm going to look over to the corner as I start to jump and pass to the corner, and then I'm going to whip it right at the roll man as the defender leaves the area. It's that next level for me that I think you really, really start to get elite value, specifically and particularly in the pick-and-roll game. The pick-and-roll game has like these very regimented reads, and I think the more you can start dictating to the defense and just making them pick their poison, the more value you get oscillating between your own offense, the three point shooter and the guys near the basket.
1: I think this is why you see some of these guys sometimes throw like really obvious passes straight out of bounds. Cause like, especially if they're throwing to the corner, you can see it. Sometimes they're like, they're motioning to somebody that makes a cut or move somebody else. It's like, why aren't you in the corner? Like, I'm going to be manipulated and doing stuff. And I expect you to be in this place. And that's because like you said, it's so regimented and they're trying to like do this manipulation and make those passes that, yeah, you can court map, but also you are also expecting guys to be in particular places on the court uh, when this action is going through.
0: Yeah. Uh, Let me ask you about another category. Yeah. Um, I think five years ago when I did this, I don't remember exactly where he was, But he was either in the top 10 or in this sort of group right at the top 10. And that's Draymond Green, Mm -hmm. who is just obviously, from a historical sense, just a phenomenal passer who plays more like a point guard despite whatever nominal positions we label him as. And I will say for this exercise... I don't think he's the passer he used to be because of sp- some specific things in terms of his speed, his pace, his ball handling, his just overall offensive game and, and athleticism has lost a little bit with time compared to like five, eight years ago where, where like that dude would grab and go and transition sometimes like he was, like he was magic. And you're like, what's going on? Why does he six, seven Magic Johnson thing coming down the court and like di- diming people up with no look passes? But this archetype of player, And I would include his teammate right now, Chris Paul, maybe in this archetype of like, you're not putting a ton of pressure on the defense, but you have these, you have really good vision. You understand everything that's happening on the court before it unfolds. Your athleticism and your age, and maybe in Chris Paul's case, his size are slowing you down. So you like try to make these passes, but you throw it out of bounds when you used to hit it. Um, It gets deflected. You can't quite get the angle you used to want to get. The game's moving 10% faster then your body wants it to move now like that's very specific to Draymond but there are these other other passers that kind of fall in this category. I almost feel like you want to put someone like TJ McConnell in this category as well. Like what do you do you have other players here? What are your what are your thoughts on this?
1: Well, last year I was kind of mapping out a list and if we had done this exercise last year, I think Draymond may have made my top 10 list. He was at least like really close for me. And I really didn't consider him. I don't know if it's because of him just being out so long. And I just like, I don't know. I don't know. I just didn't see anything that made me think he was still at that level. Another guy I'm thinking of that's actually, I've always thought even since college that he's an extremely talented passer, but as a player, he just never really had Like, the natural burst to kind of create, he didn't really have the strongest handle to be able to, like, make stuff happen off the bounce so much, and that's D'Angelo Russell. And I think this is a guy that when he's given spots to find players, like, you know, second side action, he gets off the catch, there's a little bit of space he can get in. I think he's really good at throwing manipulating passes. I think he's really tight with his pocket passing to guys that are rolling. Um... Yeah, but that's a guy that I think is just held back. Like you're saying, he didn't have to age into it. He just never necessarily had some of those natural skills that some of these other guys have.
0: Yeah, he... Fantastic pocket passing. Um, He can throw the lob as well. And there's certain specific passes with cutters and like certain angles, especially back when he was with the Nets, that I feel like he does extraordinarily well. But then to your point that kind of ends it. It's like the rest of the D'Lo experience is, is he going to take a pull-up three? Is he going to take a pull-up jumper? Is he kind of wheeling around for space? Is it a catch-and-shoot situation? Is he on fire or is he cold? Uh, Like You don't get a lot of the other expansive options from his passing in those situations. And in those situations, he's very, very good. But even in those situations, if you stack it up, would I have him top five or top eight right now? I, I, I don't think so. Uh, similar player in terms of like the idea that maybe he's not having as good of a passing season. Cody, how do you, how do you feel about Darius
1: Garland right now? He's the guy, man. I think this is the guy that we could pause and do like an entire episode on. But like again, not to like stat watch. Sister down. Turnovers are like a career high, like way up. And even when Mitchell's on the bench and he's just kind of the lead guard, it's not any prettier. Like, it's not necessarily like Mitchell's like cannibalizing some of that value of his. I I genuinely don't know what's going on with Darius Garland. But like if last year, yeah, I think he's at least sniffing the top 10. I might put him in the top 10 if we did this a year ago. But right now, I just can't do it. Like, I wanted to give him like a legacy pass and be like, ah, Darius Garland, we know he's a great passer, but he, he hasn't been. And there's just some weirdness going on with that Cavaliers team. So I, I don't know. What do you think is going on with Darius Garland?
0: Uh, part of me wanted to say it was a injury sort of fluke thing. Um, and I think that, that actually just may be the answer. I don't have a good feel for it. But when you look at stuff statistically, his passing isn't quite as good. I think his turnovers are back up a little bit this year. Uh, again, is that just like a small sample because he hasn't played that much and he's been unlucky with – tips and deflections and bounces or I'm not sure is it the situation in Cleveland where does Cleveland need to go full Utah that's well maybe we'll talk about that in a future episode do they need to just get hockey shifts and have like Mitchell and Allen you play together and Mobley and Garland you play together I I don't know
1: I don't know what it is well they kind of have that naturally going on right now but in terms of like (laughs) we haven't seen Garland playing for like 10 games now or something like that. But I mean when he played, I still I always thought his his strengths were some of his interior passes. He's really good at getting slippery down low and throwing lobs to his yeah, Evan Mobley, underrated lob throw. Like I think Jared Allen's a great like lob dunker. I think Evan Mobley is secretly an extremely good uh high potential to be like a top tier lob dunker, but uh that was always Garland's strength in my mind with some of those interior passes, two guys cutting, him getting down low, up fake, up fake, jump, uh, ah, no look, dump off lob I don't know. It's just not there right now.
0: Do you have anyone else you would like to discuss before we uh, hit our top seven?
1: Okay. Um, j- quick shout out. Kyle Anderson. I forgot to rope him in with the Joe Ingles group, but Kyle Anderson is exactly that. And um, lob God, it seems like he throws up some the robs to, lobs to uh, Rudy Gobert and whatnot. So This,
0: this feels like a Cody player. Um, you asked about prior lists. I flirted with him in the past. He's a little bit older now, so I don't know what to make of him. But... Kyle Anderson, I think Nico Batum in the past Ooh. has been in that category. It's just some incredible extra passing, elbow sets you can run through him as a passer. Uh, he, you know, can handle the ball a little bit. Again, he's a little older now, so I wouldn't put him quite up at the very top of that class, but seems like another one of those perfect Cody players
1: yeah he's right in that wheelhouse I lo- I mean these forwards that can just do some like extra passing. I, I, he's probably better than this but Franz Wagner at some point he's not there I'm not saying him as part of the group but he's got the chops to pull that off let me say a guy that if I had to expand out to 10 I would put him in just because I think his skill level's there and I want to know what you think about him uh injuries unfortunately have taken his performances away from this year but uh I'm pretty high on John Morant as a passer what do you think about him Oh,
0: yes. Cody, if we, if we uh, expanded the list and we did not care about injuries, I would have John Morant in my – I think I'd put him in my top eight.
1: Yeah. So literally number – well, he's like a legacy eight. <laughs> he's a legacy but, eight. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. Because I, I think John Morant is like a wizard at passing, and I think especially the like first step – that he has just makes him near impossible when he's going downhill to, to stop some of the manipulation that he's able to throw out there. This
0: is why I ask you about such things.
1: What are I I I'm
0: curious curious where would you put Cade in this this sort of spectrum of pick and roll passers
1: I would put him on a team that has more than 6 wins okay. and then maybe I can judge him after that I, he, he could really? be in this one day I think he like one day I think he has the potential to be in here I've I've liked his passing chops and I think um that we, you know we have, we've talked about Cade as like a primary and and whatever else and I actually think that As a sort of off-ball threat, like a secondary passer, I think he could find some really good value. So I think he could have some of the like Kyle Anderson, Nick Batum, Joe Ingles type of value, just at like you know a higher degree than those guys.
0: You see, I still think there's some, I still think there's some turnover fat to trim. There's a little too a little too deliberate sometimes with getting into the the pass or the action or whatnot. Uh, But he already has a pretty good bag of tricks Mm -hmm. in terms of live trigger. Off the bounce, pocket passes, angles, timing, skip it to the corner, set up the lob, little lay down pass, wrap around, isolation. I drive the double team comes, I dump it off to Isaiah Stewart flying down the paint, or whatever. I think he's got a pretty expanded repertoire i think if I think if you try to think about a scale of these pick and roll passers and we're going to start getting to the very best of them in a second because at least for me, a lot of them sort of dominate the top part of this list uh I think he's fairly progressed up that ladder, yeah.
1: And, it, you know, I would, I would be really interested to see, like, a passing progression by age because he's only 22, right? I don't know where a lot of these other guys would have been at 22. Obviously, a couple of them would still be in this top list, but I think there's still some room to grow, and I really wouldn't be surprised if in three years he's, you know, number seven on the list or something like that.
0: Right. We did that study a few years ago using some of the stats we have at... Uh, patreon.com slash thinkingbasketball up on the thinkingbasketball.net stat board. And it's usually like third year, fourth year, pretty early. Um, That period for point guards where like the first two years you see them figuring out stuff and then by the third year, the passing and the turnovers and the number of layup assists and all these kinds of things go up. As we mentioned before with Cade, this is more like his second season because of injury. So that might be hard to... Hard to figure out, but yes, he he's already pretty far up that ladder statistically. So you know, I don't think he actually has too much further to go. Are you going further up the ladder or farther up the ladder? That's an interesting question.
1: Uh, I think cause it's metaphorical, we it's would metaphorical. Do we'll go further. Yeah. 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 Okay. That's what I say.
0: Um, let's talk about James Harden. James Harden. Yeah, James Harden, who has really embraced this sort of point guard role that we saw him play in Brooklyn is like point guard James Harden where it's no longer Harden ball not the entire offense doesn't run through him but you still start with all these pick and roll progressions and in his case in Los Angeles we've seen this kind of synergy that he's developed with Evita Zubats on the pick and roll where he can hit him with lobs he can hit Zubats in the middle of the paint, and zoo can kind of spin and find a finish that way. And, you know, Harden had this, I think, in the past with certain players like Clint Capella, where you have the vertical threat, but you also have the timing of just how to hit him in the lane and set up that player to do his thing. And then once defenses start to say, like, okay, we're going to pay a little bit more attention to Zubats as a role threat with Harden, he can start skipping it to the corner, to open three-point shooters or run the pick-and-roll and swing it to you know one of the other Clippers shooters uh, out on the wing or something like that. It's, it's an interesting thing that he's been able to develop, or I should say he's been able to develop this, and it's really started to kind of kickstart the Clippers' offense into a more organic position where Harden is the guy at the center of the ship, but again, it's not Harden ball he can initiate and just let plays unfold where you're hitting Paul George, you're hitting Kawhi Leonard, all this stuff, and the Clippers' offense has has taken off.
1: Yeah, some of those quick hitting actions, like it's not as much as, you know, what are we, 2017 Rockets, pound, 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 screen, get some switches, and he's going to attack. There is some, like, up. Yeah, these two guys are maybe going to be in a horns action and then somebody cuts to the basket and he throws a lob to them. Or even if he does get downhill off a of pick and roll, I think something that's really helped him as he's aged and maybe lost a step in his speed is he's a really strong dude, right? So he can get down low. He's kind of bouncing off guys as he goes down there. And then, you know, they see the zoo lob coming, but nope, skip it to the opposite corner and he's going to hit somebody for a three. We know that he can do some of this like primary creation kind of thing. But the part that James Harden has done with the Clippers that is really, like, shocked me sounds too mean because, like, I know James Harden's a great player and these guys can adapt, but, like, you look at some of the lineups when he's on the court with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, and I know what, you know, I didn't see some of the granular stats, but his usage percentage when he's on the court with those two is is the lowest of the three. His scoring per 100 is the lowest of the three. His assists, obviously, are way up because that becomes his entire role that he has, but it's a lot of this, like, secondary type of passing that he's doing right you see some of these beautiful game possessions from the clippers and he's sort of at the center of it like he gets a step on his guy and you know maybe throws behind the back pass somebody cuts he catches the ball and immediately like touch passes it to the corner and then all of a sudden he gets the ball again he gets a little bit of space instead of like dancing and doing like the step back three thing he drives into the paint draws some more attention kicks it to the corner bam paul george quarter pocket three right and so he's at the center of a lot of this beautiful smooth ball movement that we you know we were extolling the greatness of guys like joe ingles or like or kyle anderson nick batum and he's sort of flowing in between like i'm an on ball pick and roll type of creator but also i'm over here and i'm ready to do some of the second side quick sort of passing and above anything else i've seen from james harden those are the passes that make me the most impressed
0: Yeah, I think an interesting wrinkle there as well is what you mentioned about his size and strength. So part of this Clippers offense that we're seeing is using him as a passer from the elbow, a little bit like those elbow passers that we talked about earlier. So in Harden's case, um, they throw him at the elbow and he can hit cutters uh, or let the kind of offense unfold out of that area. And so Paul George and Kawhi Leonard naturally can do their off ball thing. And I think it's kind of lubricated some of the offense without playing Harden ball necessarily. They had this really cool sequence where um, Harden's at the elbow and it's an after timeout. And I think it's Paul George who runs across the court on an Iverson cut from one side of the floor to the other, and then gets back door and Harden snaps it to him beautifully for a layup. Right. Then they run the same thing in a different game. I want to say against the nets and the defense switches. So Paul George isn't open on that back door. And instead he can turn and you turn and reuse the same screen and pop back out and hit a three at the top of the key, because that's Paul George's game that like movement shooting kind of stuff. Um, even one more in that set is they throw it to Harden at the elbow. And this is not an easy pass to make, but the Clippers create space by emptying the corner. So George is now the only guy on that side of the court next to Harden at the elbow. Harden throws this beautiful entry pass over the top to George, and they get a really good offense out of that. So I think this all ties together in terms of using him as a point guard and sort of also being able to maximize the other players on the court and let everybody kind of do their thing in a way that fits together.
1: And I think it really helps that neither Paul George nor Kawhi Leonard really seem like guys that want to be like these mega creators. Like they don't want to be a guy that's like, I'm going to have the ball and have, you know, 50 pick and roll possessions. I'm going to isolate this many times. They like moving off ball a little bit more. Kawhi Leonard likes nestling into the post and waiting for the pass. Paul George can battle a little bit, spin baseline, try and go for a lob. And James Harden, like I said, the diversity of his passing is is just so much more expansive than I'm remembering. You talk about the high-low passes, I'm seeing a lot more kick-aheads, like really pushing it ahead to these other guys, and he's really great at just just bouncing it beneath a defender's hands to get to a guy that's cutting to the basket. You know, James Harden's not a perfect passer, right? I don't think by any means he's like the best passer in the league. You still see a couple of times where somebody's open for a split second in the paint, and you're like, okay, I can imagine somebody else making this pass, he misses it. Uh, but like, in terms of like... Like the array of passes he can make like we said using his strength be positioned in these different parts of the floor um to me he's definitely a top what seven passer in the league based on all of that
0: yeah i think as you said uh some of the some of the limitations are why i wouldn't have him at like top 2 or top 3 but uh he he's done some really good things in this position that i think have fit very well with what the clippers like to run that have allowed George and Kawhi to do their thing. Let's go back to what you just mentioned about his unselfishness. When all these guys are out there on the court together, Cody in 895 minutes with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, uh, Harden is just averaging 17 points per 75. That's it. 17 points per 75, 65% true shooting. So very low volume higher efficiency, very, very high efficiency, in fact, and the uh, raw assists go up in that case. Uh, I think it's like 13 assists per 100 possessions or something like that. So really playing this theoretical role of like the ballast and the on-ball playmaker and handling all this decision-making around players like Kawhi and Paul George where they don't have to do all the heavy lifting, but you still end up with an offense where everything kind of fits pretty well Uh, with each player playing their role.
1: It's cool seeing this development from the beginning of James Harden's career to now because, you know, I think the like the Thunder James Harden portended the Rockets James Harden a little bit more, just because that's a guy that came off the bench. I don't necessarily know if he paired with Westbrook all that much at that time, but he could come off the bench, do some creation. We see some of the step back mid-range stuff. He's still mixing that in a little bit. Then, you know, he gets to Morty Rockets. He just has the ball all the time, all the super ISO stuff. But now we've seen it from the Nets. We see it with the Clippers now, like his ability to just kind of change his game a little bit more. I, I don't know. I think retrospectively, it's an interesting way to see, to like view James Harden. I think it makes me question some of the assumptions that I had about him as the like super primary rocket that we saw with like an offensive load in the 60s and stuff like that. So uh, I don't know. I just, I'm, I've am i been really appreciative of the way that James Harden's able to handle uh, this completely changing perspective on his uh, play style.
0: Yeah, you know, one thing I've mentioned before is some of his limitations with like right-to-left passing or being dominant mm. as a left-handed passer. And even lately, I've seen a couple nice right-handed passes from Harden out of pick-and-roll and things like that. So um, overall, for me, he's, a, he's in this group. I think if I had to rank, I would put him at the back of the top seven. I, I mean, if I had to rank, yeah.
1: Okay, okay. Well, I'm going to make you. I'm going to make you. Because well, okay.
0: Okay, because the reason is, like, let's compare him – to another pick and roll primary player. Uh, and I'm not saying Harden doesn't make passes out of isolation. Sometimes he still plays a little Harden ball and the defense comes over and he can make a, a good pass. Um, but if you compare it to someone like Trey Young, who's like heavily on ball as a passer, Trey Young to me is doing more with manipulation than Harden is, and he's hitting a higher percentage of the open windows. I see we're in we're in the upper crust here so all these guys are hitting most of the good passing opportunities but if Harden's a little bit late or misses one like Trey Young's gonna have three or four hits before he has another miss like that and Trey Young's doing stuff with the jumping and the floater and oh no it's a lob uh he actually he actually tried to pass the other day and he missed it. It turned out to be tipped. I think, the, I think the ball needed to be placed a little higher. But he was in pick and roll. He's coming down the lane. Clint Capella is the roll man. The corner defender jumps way over into Capella's roll. Trey jumps in the air like he's going to shoot the floater. But he's kind of like looking at the corner man like he's going to skip it out to three and then waiting to see what the corner defender does. And then looking back to the hoop to shoot. And then the corner defender goes to leave to guard the three-point shot. And at the last second, instead of shooting or hitting the three, he tries the lob. And it just didn't get over the defender's head. I'm, I'm trying to remember. It was a very tall man who was defending it, and he just tipped it. But like that's the stuff he does constantly. And I've said this many times when it comes to someone like Steve Nash. Hitting 80 or 90% of those is better than not trying them most of the time because you just get layup after layup after layup. And I think Trey is a little bit more expansive a little bit more manipulative and dangerous and consistently kind of uh, puncturing teams with how he attacks their coverages and pick and roll like that. So for me, in that same category, I would have him, if you, if you forced me to rank, I would have him a little bit higher.
1: Oh, yeah, I would definitely have Trey uh, a little bit. I'm very high on Trey definitely.
0: Young's. Definitely, there's, there's only six players left.
1: Oh, yeah, I, I think I have a couple, a, c- a couple tiers here. I think and Trey Young is definitely like near the top. Of everything here, I'm very high on Trey Young's passing. I think, uh, you know, you made a point that I can't remember off the top of my head right now. but uh, It's
0: okay. No no one else will remember it either. I won't. No,
1: it's okay. Everyone has a a short attention span, especially when they're podcasting. Trey Young, the other day, they were playing the Orlando Magic, who is, you know, first of all, just a wonderful team to watch. Second of all, a very good defensive team. Ben, he threw four successful alley-oops in the first half against the Magic. Four successful, and the entire game, seven, including a layup alley-oop, which, you know, I, I count that. That's still an alley-oop. Like, a, a,
0: a, oh, you mean it wasn't a dunk?
1: No, it wasn't. Like The guy caught okay. it, and it just like, I thought, laid it I was
0: like, I was like, is there an alley-oop that is not a layup, or <laughs> someone is lobbing it up in the air, and then the shooter is jumping in the air and shooting it? Well, we got to get Kyle Mann back on and discuss the opportunity there.
1: That's a half hour conversation. Easy, right there. Like, we might need to be cut off there. But he's just, it's impossible to stop him. He is so fast off the dribble. And I think it's one of the like double edged swords where his greatest weakness is also his greatest strength. The fact that he's probably. The shortest of all of these guys we're going to be talking about also allows him to probably be the quickest of all of them. And he's just a little jitterbug. He can keep that dribble going. He's blowing like a between guy. Like somebody hedges against him and he's just like splitting the defense. Uh, he has one against Wemby Nyama where like he's doing like a loping two-step thing. And on the first step, he kind of fakes the lob and it kind of throws Wemby off his game. And on the second one, he uses that to like wrap around him to a guy that's underneath, I don't know if it was for a dunk or a layup, but it was for a rim attempt. I'm like, this guy's just on another level out there. And I think, oh, the point that I was going to make, I remember it right now. I value audacity very high when I think about passers, right? Like when I watch you make a pass, I want to be like, that is disrespectful. Like how dare you for thinking you can make that pass? And Trey Young is just, so many of his passes are like, really? Like that was the lob you're going for? But more often than not, I feel like they're successful. So um, I, I have Trey Young pretty high.
0: Yeah, I think he gives a little back um, in terms of just trying so many and and missing them because he's so audacious. And then I think the other thing with him is his size and what that means when you put pressure on the ball and you trap a player like that. And uh, But now we've naturally blended into the area of like, how many windows can you create for yourself? Because Trey Young's such a great ball handler and he's got the pull-up game and the floater game and Second, he starts getting into the paint. Like all sorts of interesting things are going to happen, and even for someone his size, he does a good job handling pressure and manipulating and waiting. And I mentioned that pass earlier. Uh, Brandon Ingram, Trey Young throws that type of pass all the time, where he sees two defenders. He might even pick up the dribble. The defense is recovering. He turns and looks at the corner. Whoop! Shoots it to Clint Capella in the paint because he just waited for people to clear. That's that's really advanced stuff. Do you want to jump to? kind of the other mega pick and roll guy in this group or do you want to hit some of the other players who are maybe more more hybridy maybe more diverse
1: oh that's i'm actually interested in who you consider to be the mega pick and roll guy
0: i think luca is the other okay yeah
1: okay let's talk about luca yeah so i didn't even have him on the list because (laughs) i think luca Doncic is just a horrifyingly overrated player and we should probably collectively stop watching the Mavericks. Uh, So we can probably move on to the next guy. What do you think about Giannis?
0: I'm just going to let that sit there for the aggregators. (laughs) I just wanted to give that space for anyone who wanted to, to cut that out. Um, The funny thing is I will probably get nasty grams based on what you just said, which of course is sarcasm um, for anyone who didn't, who didn't pick it up. Yeah. Luca, I think is the best at this because Mm -hmm. as we detailed in the Christmas game, video as we detailed last year in some of the stuff he does in the pick and roll uh like one of the best of all time at just playing tempo and size and physicality and claiming his space and then i I can pick up the dribble if i want i can jump in the air if i want i can look this way i can look that way and he's just constantly trying to be a step or two ahead Uh, these, these guys are all great passers, but we are talking like the mastery level of the, all these pick and roll reads, whatever the defense is doing, I'm going to do the thing that they don't think is coming. And then once they know that the thing is coming and they're like reacting, then I'm going to do the next thing. And I'm just going to keep them yo-yoing back and forth and torture them to death. He can make the lob pass. He can make the skip pass. Cody, the man literally throws it over his head multiple times. He threw a pass. And I don't even think this was out of pick and roll. He might have thrown this in transition. He threw a pass earlier in the year in transition where you had the guy sprinting to the corner. You have the teammates trailing and you had one other cutter filling on the right for a possible layup. And the defense kind of swarms back at high speeds because Luka isn't that fast. And he gets into the paint and instead of shooting himself or hitting his man on his right. I hope I'm doing this justice. um, He's looking to his right. He throws a bounce pass behind his back without looking into the corner. It almost hits one of the defenders and goes through for a three. He just throws passes like that. We saw it in FIBA. We've seen it throughout his career. Like, he he will do everything. Last year we saw the the way he strings out the pick and roll when he's trapped and throws that behind-the-back pass to the – Popping three point shooter, this is the Chris Paul part of the game. There's another player who five or six years ago, you know, is is on the top ten of passers. Um, extracting the the value for shooters, I think you'll hear JJ Redick talk about this. Like it's right in the pocket, it's right on time. You throw the behind the back pass when the defense isn't expecting it off the dribble, and so that means the defender has another half step or half a step to recover. And, they, and the shot is that much more open. So it's the same thing on NBA.com. We're like, it's an open shot. He's six feet. But there's a difference between six feet with, like, the guy bearing down on you and, like, 11 feet. And that's what the good pass gives you, not to mention all the lobs and layups and laydowns. And, um, yeah, I just, I just think he's basically best in class at that.
1: I think he's maybe the only guy in the league where you watch, like, six straight possessions. They run the exact same pick and roll and you're just like watching. You're like, how do you not like no one else is moving, right? Derek Lively's come up. Maybe he like backed up and set another screen, but like it's the exact same setup. Everyone else is standing where they need to be. And Luca has passed to like six different people this time. Actually, no, he's thrown a lob four of the six times. And you're just like, this is the only thing you're trying to stop. And you're just unable to do that. And I, I don't know how he... Like you said, he's looking all over the place except for the person he's passing to, except for the one per- time that you like don't expect it, then he's staring down Derek Lively as he throws up the lob. But like James Harden in this sense, like his strength, his ability to just like get his body around people and not let people get around him because he's just so big out there dribbling, the handle he has, his step-back mastery, so you have to be uptight against him because it's just like his jumper is so much more improved. Um... Man, I think we're talking about like legitimately, like legitimately one of the best passes we've ever seen.
0: Yes, yes. What's crazy is, as I'm thinking through this, Trey Young is so good at the floater pass with the pick and roll, acting like he's going to jump and shoot and then throw the lob. He's so good at also coming down the lane and as he's dribbling. Taking the dribble as it comes off the floor and like underhanding it or scooping it to a lob guy. And I'm like thinking about this as we talk through it. I'm like, is Luka better at that family of passes? That's how good Luka Doncic is at this stuff. I'm not saying you have to believe he's better, but like the fact that you could probably make an argument that on those little jump passes, lob passes, leaners, floaters off the floor, like he's coming down the paint his head and his body are always in the same it's like they're in perfect position like nothing's happening and then he just without like you want to talk about no look passes like the ball comes off the floor and he just passes it in one motion off the dribble to Lively on the lob uh i agree with you Cody i think it is one of the best passers we've ever seen
1: i need to find this clip but a couple of years ago i remember like tweeting out a screenshot and Luka's, like, surrounded by a bunch of people. And you can see everyone, like, spaced out. There's somebody wide open in the corner. There's just whatever else. And I'm like, who is he passing to here? And let me tell you, you will not guess the answer, and it is the correct pass. And so he's had this for, like, multiple years. So, um, yeah, Luka Doncic is a master at the game of basketball. And, like, with Trey Young, even, like, let's pretend you say that they're fairly close, I think, like, the eight inches he has on Trey Young is is enough to, like, easily give me the edge here.
0: So I have two other... Passers in here that I would call more hybrid, diverse, you know, transition, extra passing, maybe sometimes a little short roll action, just like, but tons of pick and roll, just the overall feel of passing. And when we lay out, like reading the floor, manipulating the live trigger that we've talked about, the speed on some of your passes, by the way, let's go back to Luca. When he needs to throw a fastball, he throws a fastball. That gets you an extra step. That gets you access to passes that other players can't access. His height and his jump passing get you access to that. So do these two players. These two players have this. Speed, manipulation, live trigger, anticipation, court mapping. They both begin with L. I'll leave it there.
1: Um, Is one of them LaMelo Ball? One of them is LaMelo Ball, yes. The, is the other one LeBron James? That's it. That's correct. Do we need to actually okay. talk about them? Yeah. Good. Uh, you know, I, I want to talk about LeBron. You know, believe it or not, Ben, <laughs> let's talk about LeBron just for just for a hot second. Because I think the um. thing that he does, I actually think he's a little special um, in terms of like some of these guys that we're watching. Even like Luka being another big guy doesn't do this as well. LeBron's like touch passing, especially off being the roller. Like he'll go up right, and set right. a screen and roll and somebody passes to him instantaneous dump off or instantaneous kickoff. And I'm like, I have no idea how you process the space that was between like these two defenders and like Anthony Davis or this guy in the corner. And I think that's sort of where he's developed. Cause obviously like decade ago or in the second stint with uh, Cleveland, like he's just running all these pick and rolls and getting all of these switches. Um, but now when he's playing a lot more off ball, um, that secondary passing is just, I don't know those, the outlets we talk about Larry bird being an all time outlet guy this guy's also just a master of the outlet pass. Like we have to put him up into that conversation as well. So I think like on the, on, on the fringes is not like the lead creator guy. He's got the entire bag of tricks as a passer. Right,
0: right. Exactly. And especially with age, you're not seeing the, uh, the same sort of uh, ball dominance or, or sort of pick and roll LeBron ball that we saw years ago in Cleveland. But I think even shaving that off, Cody, I, I completely agree with you. The, the, the diversity of the passing package is still there and getting to see it in these sort of like him as a screener, him in different situations. Uh, he, he's, he's still up there for me, at least as, as one of the very best passers in the game.
1: When I was watching him, I was thinking, I'm like, can I make a case that he's the best touch passer in NBA history? And then I went back and I checked out some Larry Bird passes. i like, Oh my go. God, nope, yeah. nope, this, this guy's still, this is still the best touch passer we've ever seen.
0: Yeah. I, I have, a, I have a clip up on my computer. Um, because I just can't close it. I just can't close it. I've had it up for a while. Uh, La- LaMelo balls playing the Celtics in a game, and you want to talk about dynamic situations. There is a rebound that is, like, tipped 35 feet in the air and goes into the backcourt, and LaMelo taps it to himself and beats the Celtics to the ball, and in one motion as he's recovering the ball, turns and throws a 40-foot-behind-the-back pass to a cutter at the rim. What? Like... The, this guy does this kind of stuff that is just on another planet. It's 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 got a pistol peak component to it. It's got I I mean it's just uh uh like the creativity and some of the passes that Lamello will hit, the speed, the deliveries, it's um I mean I think savant for his age is is the right word there.
1: I think he's I'm not saying he doesn't have the function of these other guys, but I think he is a lot more flash than some of these guys. Like, he is out there too entertained with some of these passes. Like, he's really going to, like, cup the ball on a skip pass. Like, you know, he's not off the bounce. He's cupping it and, like, really whipping it so it has that, like, it's got a nice little, like, curve ball to it. Um, he's got a really interesting lob form, right? Like, when he's throwing a lob pass, he kind of, like, brings it down from low like it's an eighth grader shooting a three-point shot. Um, it I don't know I don't even know what I think about it it's just a really clever little pass he has he's great at uh at snaking the pick and roll and I think a big part of that is he's you know great ball handler but also he's another one of these six seven six eight kinds of point guards and when he has that size and going down there it's just you know good luck taking away any of the lob Uh, lob threats that he has available to him because this is another guy that loves throwing the lob pass. So Audacity is like off the charts and I think it's probably to a fault just a little bit like you said it with Trey Young, but I think the like passing discernment in terms of like, okay, let's let's actually maybe not like have that much mustard on this pastrami sandwich, but you know, we still want a little bit of it. Like I'll take a little bit of mustardy sandwich over like a dry like turkey sandwich.
0: I I think with LaMelo I'm pretty sure he can make like every pass in the book. That's the thing. I mean, outside of post passes, and because he's tall, but he doesn't play in the post, you might not have him hold the ball at the elbow and pass over the top. But uh, transition passes, pick and roll passes. Cody, you mentioned it. Like, I'm going to shoot a floater and I lob it. I pick it right up off the floor with one hand and I skip it 70 feet into the corner on the other side of the floor. Um, and of course, he's constantly trying to find the open man. He's constantly trying to manipulate you. He's zooming down court and moving his head in four different directions. And then like so many of these great passers, he might see the pass unfold, look somewhere else to completely throw off the defense and then shoot one out of his hip for a layup or something like that. So I think he has it all. But I do think it's still it's got to be dialed in a little bit. There's a difference between constantly going for the home run like Steve Nash and then just being a little too loose. Still with try like turnovers and just try and it's not the flash. The flash is fine for me because it's part of his looking away and his change of pace and his huge speed. But it's more of just like we gotta we gotta make better decisions sometimes about what passes we try. Um, we gotta make better decisions about that cross court pass sometimes. It's that is that kind of stuff. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And you know, I don't I don't want him to change right now. If he's going to be playing on this Hornets team, like just go for all of them. Just go for it all. Like well, let's we can we can work on the discernment part of it once you get on a on a little bit better of a team.
0: You're saying that if we were to make a highlight package of a player, we could just conveniently cut out all the negative things they do and everyone would be happy. That's what you're saying?
1: I mean, this guy would be like top tier TikTok highlights. Like, you show some Lamelo Ball, and you're gonna have like 14 year olds in the beer being like Magic Johnson. Who? Like, have you seen <laughs> Lamelo Ball play some basketball? Ben, I fear uh, that we have the same top seven. I don't like, I don't think there's any differences between. Yeah,
0: them. no. It's uh, it's a fear realized. It's our it's our darkest fears it's around these parts. One. We don't we plan this. I
1: I promise you all, we did not we did not talk ahead of time about this
0: yeah uh so who's who's left who does i don't even know who's left
1: well let's talk about um there's one yeah i probably don't actually have to talk about let's talk about tyrese halliburton for a second tyrese
0: halliburton yes yes he's for indiana he is for indiana
1: so this is another big point guard. What is he? He's like six five, six six. Like he's got some good size. He's a little bit shorter than LeBron, Luca, Labello ball types. Uh, but this is a guy that I think is really interesting in getting off ball really quickly. Like whereas somebody like Trey or Luca is gonna really dominate the ball, and like obviously they're fantastic at what they do. Uh, Halley is a lot more excited about getting off the ball, going to move, and then catching and then making something else happen. And so that's kind of the way that I think about him a little bit more. And I think part of that has to do with, like, I don't think he's quite as good at getting to the rim as some of these other guys, or at least when he gets to the rim, I don't think he's quite as interested in, like, I'm going to try and draw a foul, I'm going to try and finish here as much as somebody like Luca or LeBron or Trey. Um, but, you know, I think in terms of, like, pushing the pace, Let's get these outlets going, moving the ball around. Whoo! I mean, this guy's an engine, just an absolute engine for the for the Pacers.
0: It's a, it's a it's a great point because I feel like even Lamelo will go to the basket or be a little bit more aggressive shooting, whereas Halliburton is just like get it, hit it, move off it, get it back, push the. I mean, Lamelo pushes the pace, but Halliburton push the pace, push the pace, um, and then. The jump passing, of course. I mean, so many of these guys use the jump pass. Nobody more than him. As I, as I, if you haven't seen it, a uh, video on the NBA app, and I think it might also be on YouTube on the NBA channel. Uh, we did a deep dive on Halliburton's jump passing. And the big takeaway for me is how he uses it to protect the ball and limit turnovers. And it's sort of this natural way of him picking up the dribble. And then it gives him height, it gives him different angles, it gives him this brief moment of time where if you're not quick enough you're stuck in the air and you commit a turnover and that's why all the coaches tell you not to leave your feet but when you're thinking a step ahead you're using it to get up in the air and go oh, okay let's see let me really force this defender to make a decision and then I can make the best pass here now that I've put uh, sort of his feet to the coals so a, a tough one for me Cody um well, well we'll get to it in a second was where to actually place Halliburton in this, let, let let's just let's try to. If you're going to force me to rank them, let's rank them at the end of the show here. Uh, yeah. I, I, okay. What did I say? Harden seven.
1: Yeah. Harden seven. Okay. I, I, I have Harden six, so we're in the same ballpark.
0: Okay. I think I would. I think I would go. Uh, I think I'll go Lamello six. I think I'll go I go had
1: Lamello six. seven. We are yeah. we're aligned.
0: Yeah, and then I think I will go LeBron five. I have LeBron. This is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Trae Young four. Ooh, I had Trey young 3rd. Okay, so who do you have 4th? Halliburton? I had Halliburton 4th. Okay, I have Halliburton 3rd. Someone okay. asked me recently on one of our our Q&As that we do for thinking basketball subscribers on the on the Patreon, um Halliburton versus Luka, who do I think is a better passer? And I I said Luka. I think it's a tough one, but I I think I if I was forced to choose, I would go Luka. He doesn't have the pace that Halliburton has. Um and I think that's interesting because it allows Halley to create a lot of windows and probe around and crank open all these opportunities and things. But I think Luka's good enough as a dynamic passer in other situations, and he's just like 9.9 or 10 out of 10 in the pick-and-roll, just all the entire pick-and-roll uh, thing that we talked about. So I'll go Halliburton third, Luka second, and then um, let's do Nikola
1: Vucevic first. I thought you were going to say Joel Embiid. Isn't that – were saving this. I just think his improvement under Nick Nurse's – like,
0: What has gotten into you today?
1: <laughs> I, I thought that's who we were talking about, Joel. Embiid's our number one. Uh,
0: yeah. So, oh, so We probably it
1: could have brought Embiid earlier when we were talking about little, little delay sets and stuff. I don't want that fan base. He's, he has improved significantly as a passer. I, I don't want to mock it or anything.
0: To support us, check out patreon.com slash Basketball. Uh, if you sign up over there, that's where you can get access to our leaderboard. You go to it takes you to ThinkingBasketball dot net, and we've got metrics with the players and the teams, and an historical database that Cody likes to peruse through for hours on end. That goes back to 1955, and all sorts of we got stats by by playoff series. That's fun to look at. All all kinds of fun things, including our work on passing over the years. We have. A couple stats about how much uh, offense you're creating for teammates based on your scoring pressure, the efficiency or effectiveness of your overall passing. I'm looking to add some passing turnover stats as well in the near future. Patreon.com slash Thinking Basketball. How do you think this one went, Cody? I mean, you're going to be a father soon. How you, do you feel about this?
1: <laughs> I loved this episode. I think my two favorite parts of basketball are passing and defense, so any time we can talk about either excites me. Can I ruin our final bit and actually ask you a question? about that final player
0: well hold on i just want to yeah yes you can you can ruin the bit and ask me a question but i just want to say that we this this episode as usual is an hour and um my love of passing is so deep that it felt like about 12 minutes for me i i feel like i could talk about like just i think we should just talk about one player's passing for an hour (laughs) let alone all these other players
1: yeah, if you just, uh, like, released videos of breaking down people's passing, I wouldn't argue at all. Like, the passing and defense channel, that would be just unbelievable content. Um, so, Nikola Jokic, I'm just gonna ask, is he the best passer of all time? Like, by in your estimation... Do you think? And I know you're probably going to say, "Okay, if you like arrange it, he probably could be." I'm not going to like solidly say he's for sure the best passer of all time. But do you feel like you could make the case that he is the best passer ever?
0: Yes, I can make the case. He's in my inner circle. Okay, of uh, yeah, of all time great passers. I think I would have Magic Johnson, Nikola Jokic, and Steve Nash as my as my top three in my inner circle. And then there's some fringy guys. You can get in there. You know, you can get a Larry Bird. You can get a Jason Kidd. There might be a few other names that you could put in there, but uh, that would be my top three inner circle goat passing candidates. Jokic is just. Did you see the one? Um, boy, it hasn't hasn't. I don't think it's come out as of as of this. Yes, the over the head pass. It's in. <laughs> it's in um, for the for the NBA. We have smartest plays. Smartest plays of the year. <laughs> Coming out, and it's just there's so much Jokic and so many great passes that I didn't even break that one down. I just needed it to be in the video, so it's just documented. But he has a pass where uh, he catches it at the elbow and without looking turns and throws it over his head for a layup and it, it's uh, it might not even be his best
1: pass in that video yeah. so i i, I put out some some nuggets of like i wonder if i still think he's the best passer and just the amount i laugh what what? The, what do you mean you wonder if he's
0: still the best passer
1: i thought i would do my academic service and really put in the work and just uh, no players ever made me laugh more like i I'd laugh i just laugh
0: let me tell you how you know he's the best passer um and in the goat tier of passing you can pick any game ever <laughs> And you get to see the repertoire. There is no like there is no like, oh, I put a Jokic game on and he didn't do a good pass and he flubbed a couple other ones and he th- No. His his ability and I think in the playoffs last year I caught him missing a couple layup passes and it's like all caps in my notes. Because it's he's he's like in the high 90s for hitting complete. I'm just like, Jokic actually decided not to pass. Um now granted <laughs> In the games he did that, he might have been averaging 40 points a game against Phoenix, so he might have been scoring on every one of those possessions, but I don't forgive him, Cody. It still goes in my notes. If you missed that layup pass, that goes in my notes. I, I remember that forever.
1: There was another play he made recently. I think someone else in, in the thing basketball world posted this, but you know, I was watching the game, and I, I tagged it and I'm like, this play. I, to be started off, he throws this outlet pass, and immediately I'm like, that's a great outlet pass, but nothing happens with it. So he comes up. He makes another basic pass, but then he, like, cuts in, like, towards the mid-post, gets a catch, like, they enter it down to him, somebody comes to double-team him, and he makes this awkward little, like, catch-turn-flip pass to, I think, maybe Aaron Gordon cut to the basket and just a layup. And I'm like, you just made two brilliant passes in one play. Both of them could have turned into a layup, and that's that's just what every possession with him is like, it feels like.
0: That was the Dallas game? Was it? Was it a tournament game? Was it an in-season tournament game?
1: I thought it was pretty recent.
0: Okay, all right. Because you're, 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 you're that sounds like another play that I saw okay. from earlier in the year. You know what I realized we just did for the last hour, Cody. Talked for the passing. last hour, we just no, we just attempted to describe geographical locations. But we were like the ball. He threw the ball to the elbow, and then he turned and he threw it up toward the rim to another player. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's get out of here. That was fun
1: yeah this is a good time let's uh i wish we could do more passing content i don't know what else how much more juice there is to squeeze out of
0: here if you want more passing content let us know otherwise uh thanks for sticking through uh into the into the little post outro segment here as always we hope you enjoyed this one and uh and and uh hope you're having a great day as well yeah